Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If it isn't, this is episode number 24 and today we're going to be talking about 12 tips to help you prepare for maternity leave. But before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to all the Melbourne mamas that are listening and if you're like me, also in stage four lockdown, uh, last week was definitely pretty stressful uh, of working out childcare. Are we entitled or not? Are we permitted workers? What is the definition of a permitted worker? Who's allowed? Who's not allowed? And uh, what's also coming out from reputable sources? Because the DHS website was saying one thing, governments were saying other, and it was all so confusing. And as I reflected last night with my husband, I said, I've actually been in some pretty stressful situations, very senior executives, uh, definitely putting the heat on me. And that was nowhere near like stressful compared to what I went through last week of really looking about what's the care arrangements going to be for my son. Yes, I still, I've got a job. Um, people will say, oh, you only work three days a week, but I may only work three days a week. I probably have got the output of five, but also I'm very passionate and I enjoy my job. Um, and also people rely on me for what I do. So it's one of those things that you had to really think about what's going on. Um, and, you know, your children are your pride and joy. And I also know, I experience a bit of mum guilt of, it's not just about sending my child to childcare. There is so much that I see my son gets out of it from a learning, developmental, social skills, everything. And I thought if he can't have access to that for five weeks, is his development also going to go back? Um, I was actually chatting with friends about this and they felt exactly the same way. So it's not just about childcare. People may go, oh, it's just babysitting. I'm just nowhere near that at all. I've definitely got a biased view around it. There is so much that my son gets out of it. So I just want to share that with you, mamas, that if you are experiencing any of those feelings uh definitely listen to last week's podcast around managing anxiety uh with sarah purvey she's a psychologist and definitely has a lot of great hints and tips um in that episode not only just managing anxiety just through covid but also just generally as well now moving on to today's podcast lately in the podcast i've been looking at topics around working mothers and a number of women who are pregnant and about to go on maternity leave have also recently joined the working mama facebook community so i thought i'd do a podcast on helping you prepare for maternity leave i know that when i was about to go on mat leave I was a complete mix of emotions. I was looking for ideas, hints and tips on how to prepare both emotionally as well as physically. Needless to say, I pretty much made it up as I went. So hopefully the the tips and what I talk about today help guide you and give you some insights in what to prepare for and make your transition from being a working person to maternity leave a little bit easier. Because I would actually say it is a transition. You do, yes, leave that Friday afternoon and it's the weirdest feeling. I know that you're not leaving a job. It's not like you're leaving for good, but you are leaving for a period of time and you're about to embark on the biggest life-changing events ever. Um, There's so much that's going through your mind that also physically as well, you're doing all like some of your classes and things. So it is really tough. Just to give you my story, 
I went on maternity leave on a Friday when I was uh, just over 36 weeks pregnant. And the following Friday, my son was born. Um, on the Monday, I pretty much woke up in the morning thinking, yep, cool. I've got pretty much maybe four weeks of, of mat leave and thinking, well, how am I going to fill my time? I only really had about four hours um, of enjoying that, you know, no, no meetings, no nothing, um, and wondering how I was going to manage this transition because I had an obstetrician's appointment where we were told that my son uh, needed to be induced that week. And so then my husband and I's heads were spinning that Monday afternoon, Monday night, um, I got a call, which is uh, just about a family health crisis. My mum wasn't well. And so that was then looking after her and managing that for the rest of the week. And then Thursday night, there I am in a hospital about to be induced. So I have to say my mat leave really only lasted a couple of hours uh, and the rest of the week was a bit of a whirlwind. And, I ha and so it's one of those things that I probably didn't need four weeks, um, but you know what? It is what it is. And as kids often show you, anything's possible. And that certainly was what my experience was with mat leave or just even that period before you actually give birth. And going on mat leave is an emotional time. You've worked for a number of years. Like for me personally, I had done an undergraduate degree. I'd started work um, through industry-based learning at 20. Uh, and I was... 34 when I uh, gave birth to my son. So um, a week shy of my 35th birthday. So I really would been working for almost 15 years full time. Um, I'd taken a very small career breaks here and there, but nothing like what I was about to do. Um, and, you know, work has been a big part of your life naturally. I've done an undergraduate degree, as I just said, I've also done a master's and I've done a lot and I've put a lot into my career and where I've been. And I know that I'm not the only one that's been that. And really it's consumed my life. It's probably in some ways over-consumed um, to not have great work-life balance. Um, but I was working probably 50 plus hours before going on mat leave. Um, many people may be working 40 plus, but we're all working these crazy hours. Also going on mat leave, you're trying to get so much done before you go on leave. And then you're stepping away from your career, your what you've been working for for you know 10, 15 years for a period of time. And then handing over your job to another person can be really difficult. And trust me, you aren't alone if you have the feelings about um, letting go and having trouble letting go. I know I wrote the mother of all doc, um, of handover documents. And I think that was part of me showing that I and justify my role, what I was doing and what I had achieved. Uh, and it was really hard because I did have trouble letting go. But also this time, it allows you to consider for new challenges and the, also your role as a parent. If you are a first-time parent, there are many unknowns. And trust me, the feeling of trepidation about what you're about to enter into is entirely normal. But I would definitely suggest that having some time to stop and reflect on your maternity leave and how you would like it to work will help both you and your employer so you can effectively manage the leave period and you can have the maternity leave that you want.
It also allows you to process how you are feeling and if there are any areas that may be causing you anxiety. And I would definitely suggest speaking to someone prior to the birth um, and overcoming these anxieties because trust me, you won't have too many chances um, in those first couple of weeks. I know as well that I looked at maternity leave as a little bit of a career break. I did just, as I said, been working for so many years, really full on roles. And I was like, you know what? I'm also exhausted. I just want a little bit of a break from uh, just having that mental break from the, from my role, from the organization, just from my career. And I'm glad I did. I actually came back more refreshed with a, uh, a different outlook. And I would say a more positive and productive outlook um, thanks to actually having uh, parental leave and, and looking at it um, from a slightly different viewpoint. Um, so what I'm going to now go through are 12 things for you to consider when planning your parental leave. There is so much that you can take on, um, but I just wanted to pick out 12 things that I thought might be useful to you uh, when planning your parental leave. Number one, know what your organization's parental leave policies are. For example, what parental leave do they have? Um, and if this is paid, unpaid, there are many organizations that have, you know, anywhere up to say 18, 20 weeks paid at your full wage. Others are half and even others don't even offer um, parental leave. I think it's something like 50% of organisations in Australia still don't offer paid parental leave. So it's definitely something to look into and make sure you're aware of what you're entitled to because some of those entitlements may be you've got to have been your employer for a set period of time or I know some banks you don't have to actually have to be there that, that long. It's just um, a recruitment strategy as well. Also suggest having a look at what flexible work policies um, your organisation have. They may have been updated in light of COVID and how organisations view flexible work very differently, differently. But definitely have a look at what is in the policy. And also this helps with returning uh, and considering your return to work um, and what you're going to be entitled to as well. Number two, be aware of the government paid parental leave entitlements and also check if you qualify um, as there is an earning cap. You must have individually earned less than $150,000 in the last financial year. And this is um, pre-tax, just something to keep in mind. Eligible workers can receive 18 weeks of parental leave at the national minimum wage. This is fully funded by the Australian government, but employers must process the payment through their payroll. So it's really important if you've earned less than $150,000, you can then get the government paid parental leave. A lot of people do ask if I'm already getting um, parental leave from my organisation, can I get the government leave? Yes, you can. Um, so just think about it. I think that's what Tony Abbott a few years ago was like, oh, we don't want double dipping. Well, you know what? Women, we work hard. You know, and there's so many things about, you know, being a mum is at times a, an unpaid job. This, you know, take it for what you can and hopefully you can, you can get access to everything. Um, also, just as a heads up, fathers and partners are entitled to two weeks dad and partner pay. Um, they do have to, again, as well, apply for this through their organisation. Um, so it's just something to, to bear in mind. And... All throughout this as well, for number three, really consider your return to work before you go on leave. This sounds kind of weird, um, but as I go through a number of the topics, it'll start to make a little bit more sense. But 
you know, think about as well by knowing your organisational policies around flexible work that helps your return. Um, how many days do you want to come back? And it's also about setting those expectations before you go on leave. Uh, like, for example, for me, I knew that I wouldn't want to come back full time. I just knew that between children, it's just not something that I'd planned. Um, and also, so I tried to set those expectations before um, going on mat leave. And we'll go through a little bit more um, as I go through, but just something to think about throughout this podcast about considering your return to work before you go on leave. Now, a big part about going on leave as well is the financial aspects. Often we're so consumed in all the, you know, the baby's room set up and the parental classes and everything else that goes along and all the obstetrician appointments and everything else like that happens. Um, we often forget as well about the financial impacts um, of maternity leave. Uh, so for example, if you're getting just the 18 weeks government support, that's at minimum wage. So that's likely not to be the same amount as what your regular income would have been. So factoring that into your family budget and how you may need to adjust some of your spending habits or if you've actually planned for your pregnancy, then that then just um, all then starts kicking into gear um, from, and you're then also mentally saying, right, okay, we're using some of our savings. We know that there is going to be a little bit of financial hit and there you go. I know, for example, for myself, um, hopefully in the future when we fall pregnant again, I've got access to long service leave and annual leave and, and other parental leave and, and government. And that. so I've already considered financially as well what our entitlements would be and what our income, um, you know, any changes that there would be in that family budget planning. But it's really important because financial stress can also then cause a few arguments and a few stresses um, with new families. Um, and if you listen to one uh, of my earlier podcast episodes with um, Karen, uh, the financial planner, she also goes through and talks about this. Um, and it's often the financial planning is the, uh, the forgotten aspect of it. If you wanted to speak to a financial planner, definitely highly recommend speaking with Karen. Another part is also about considering your super um, payments because you won't always get paid super because obviously you're not going to um, be, you know, earning that income and, and what, how your organisation does this. Again, back into the organisational policies, some will pay it, others won't. Another one is a, just to consider, um, I know it affected me, was about the lease arrangements. Um, I'd leased my car and so we then needed to transition that into my name um, and then the payments were then coming out of uh, my account directly. So just things like this, it was like, oh, financially as well. It was another thing that we probably hadn't budgeted for or expected that we then obviously had to, to carry over because not being paid um, from my employer, obviously the car repayment still had to come out of somewhere. Number five is a handover document and handover. This is a really big one and it can be a bit cathartic, but also a bit of FOMO comes into it as well. I'd really highly recommend documenting your role, including key information that people need and the contacts. And this can definitely be a time consuming process. And I wouldn't suggest leaving it until the last week. Think about it a month or two before you finish up. Think about the different aspects of your role. If you need to document any processes that you may be the owner of to help others. I know that I created the, the master of all handover documents and um, that people then referred to that years later um, because there was just so much that I'd included in it. I probably did go overboard, 
but it was also a little bit of me proving the amount of work that I was doing of, look, I've got all this, you know, my role's this big, this is what I've been doing. So for me, I definitely went overboard. And as I said, it was um, probably a bit of that trouble of, of handing over, but also I found doing the handover document quite cathartic of, oh yeah, I've done this or I'm responsible for that. And it was a bit of reflection on, oh, okay, I've actually been doing some, some good work. So as I said, the handover document is, can be quite cathartic. I've also seen some very basic ones that are like two page A4 documents that probably aren't as helpful. Um, Cause also when you think about it, if you're not there, people don't know the answer, where can they then find it? You don't necessarily want them bugging you, um, particularly as a new mum. So the more you've got documented, it'll help people in the long run. Also, getting confirmation on who you're going to be handing over to. That might be one person, could be multiple people. And it's really important as well about scheduling and meetings um, to manage this transition and also keeping your manager in the loop about how things are going. Um, because in that way, they can go, all oh, right, yep, um, Jenny, you've... Um, definitely done a great job. They know where it's at and how that process is going. Um, so then they have little doubt about how you've actually handed over. And also if that person says, I didn't know, well, at least then your manager can say, well, yeah, here's the document. Everything's there. So then, cause that can, I've seen that happen. Someone goes on mat leave. They then get blamed for some things, which is really sad, but it can happen. I'd also suggest as part of the handover, communicating with your stakeholders and ensuring key contacts um, know who will be taking over your responsibilities to ensure there's a smooth co uh, communication. I often as well used to CC um, the people who were going to be responsible for those areas in on the emails. So they could then be looped in on those tasks from the moment I know that they're going to be taking on um, those responsibilities. And it also helps ease the transition and also those communication where people say, oh, this person sent me an email but then they don't have access to it and everything like that communication as part of your handover is absolutely critical uh, so yeah the longer you can do this the longer you know who's taking over your role um, or the multiple people the better I have to say one thing as well is about relates to handover number six is about putting your out of office on and a lot of people weirdly don't do this, but it's really helpful to let people know you are on maternity leave and don't be shy and saying you are on mat leave as well. I know there are some stigmas of, oh, don't, people really don't need to know. And then it's, you know, the persona of becoming a mom and things like that. You know what? I would say 2020, embrace it. Uh, people really need to um, get on board um, and support you as well. And so they know not to bug you. Um, and you're going to be available for a period of time. You don't have to stipulate, I'll be back on the 20th of September, 2020, but you know, sorry, 2020, but you can actually say, look, I'm going to be back in approximately, you know, 12 months or I'm currently on mat leave. Look forward to seeing you on upon my return. You don't even have to specify a time. One thing as well on your out of office, really important is to include who your key contacts are and that people can then speak with on your leave. It's really hard if someone says, I'm on mat leave, full stop. But then there's no one to know who's taken on their role, who, they, who that person that was trying to communicate with you, who then they can go to for answers. So definitely include uh, who your replacement is um, for mat leave um, on that email. Now, one thing as well, and number seven, think about as well the forms that you need to complete. So internally with the organization, 
there is generally um, an application for mat leave. Yep, seems weird that, yes, you've got really no option. You've got this bun in the oven. It's going to be coming out and you do need to go on mat leave. Ideally, you um, should and hopefully have some uh, period of time off. And so, yeah, you do just for forms and processing purposes, you do need to apply for mat leave uh, and just go through that. So um, if you've got any questions, definitely speak with someone in HR about it or your manager. There's also then some forms that it's good to um, prepare um, and also get is around the Centrelink. So the paid parental leave, because um, I believe there's some forms there. And also then the Centrelink number, um, a CCN. I applied for this and it was like, it took a lot longer than I ever expected. So if you haven't got a uh, Centrelink number, get it, do it well um, before you have children because it'll save you a bit of time and headache and then you don't have to wait in Centrelink for a while. Although these days in Melbourne, I don't think you'd be waiting online. You're probably waiting online. Number eight is about having farewell events. Um, so hopefully your organisation or team will plan a morning tea or a lunch to acknowledge the work that you've been doing and also wish you well on maternity leave. It's also a really good opportunity to catch up with key contacts or customers and networks prior to going on leave, again, as a way of setting up contact whilst you're on leave and also for your return. So as I said before, consider your return before you go on leave. You know, if you're wanting to have a different change of career when you return or even, you know, different different outlook or something like that. It's always a really good strategy to catch up with some of those key contacts. And they also might want to wish you well as well. They might want to take you out for lunch and, you know, give you uh, a, a farewell more personal than, than with the team. You know what? Embrace it and also use this as an engagement tactic um, as part of your return to work strategy. A feedback review. Now, please don't think about this as um, a negative. Look about it as a positive. And some of this as well go back to um, the podcast that I did a couple of weeks ago with Anne Cooperman around managing your strengths. Um, and that's also where here, having a feedback review, thinking about as a positive. So it's useful to have a mini review and get feedback on your performance up until the point when you're going on leave. It can actually be a positive and a constructive conversation. And again, it's a really useful tool to position yourself for returning to work and also discuss with your manager how you would like to manage your maternity leave. So it can be very much a, look, you're doing really well on X. Um, this is how you want to position your leave. And it's a really good touch base. Um, again, keeping those lines of communication open. Communication is always so critical in everything. And also I see this kind of meeting as, you know, it's a really good way that you can get validation for your strengths and the positive aspects about that you've been doing in your role. Look at this review, not as a negative, but actually try and turn it around to be very constructive and very positive um, and reaffirming about how you may want to position yourself about coming back into um, the organisation. Ensure it's documented and it can really be useful for your return, as I keep saying, and also give a confidence boost prior to going on leave. And also when you're trying to do 101 things, remind yourself um, how good you're doing your role. And also when you're returning to work, you may suffer a little bit of lack of confidence of, can I still do my role? Am I going to be good enough? Because then you can then go back to this document and say, yes, I was good at X, Y, Z, you know, A, B, C, all these strengths. And that was identified by my manager. And so it'll really help you um, in that confidence-based return to work as well. 
Now, number 10, the mental preparation. I have to say, this is probably one of the biggest things that I have to say uh, about preparing for maternity leave. I think we physically prepare ourselves for birth and, and maternity leave. Like we you know we do the exercise classes, the prenatal classes, the the birthing classes, and at the moment there'd be no doubt online. But we don't do a lot mentally. And I think I often tell people that motherhood is definitely by far the hardest but the best thing I've ever done. And some people give me these look really strange, but then they get what I mean once they have a child. And as I said at the start, there is definitely a transition mentally about going from work uh, and working, you know, 40 plus hours um, a week to then being on leave. So you go, you know, as I said, you, you have all these crazy hours, you're scheduled, you've got meetings, you know exactly what you're doing for that week. Where that, I know, as I said, that first morning for me, I'm like, I've got no commitments. I've got, you know, a few obstetrician appointments and that's it. Like I think I had a massage booked in like two weeks later. Otherwise, my calendar was free. It was a really weird feeling. Um, and I sat down thinking, what am I going to do for the week? Yes, I'm a list person. So I did write a little bit of a list of what do I need to get done. But that was because I, that was the way that I started my week, every week of writing my to-do list at work. Um, so it's one of those things that it's weird. Um, and I've also spoken to other people about this transition. And I wasn't alone. Um, and you, if you're experiencing, or if you do experience this, you're not alone either. Um, because it's only natural. Like think about it. You're running on the treadmill and maybe pace number 10, you suddenly get off and you're just like, Oh, you're in shock because it's just suddenly stopped. And you're like, you may just have to catch your breath and slow down and also preparing and just slowing down is also then a good thing. Um, but yeah, definitely the, I also had um, mentally as well, the feeling of needing to prove myself before going on leave. So there was a lot of emotional energy in that of like, no, just because I'm pregnant, I can still do my job and don't judge me otherwise. Yeah, so it really is also a little bit of that mindset change on how you view yourself um, and also about what you're going into as well. And also changing your personal priorities. Uh, definitely becoming a mom has changed me in more ways than I would have ever considered. And, you know, I'm thankful for my son for teaching me a whole range of things. Uh, but also you'll have experiences of feeling excitement and the unknown and, and everything else like that. So what I would definitely suggest during this period to help you transition mentally is also about um, like using journaling, um, getting some exercise and, speaking with others um, and really documenting about how you're feeling. Um, and so also a few questions to ask yourself can be, how are you feeling about going on mat leave? What are you most looking forward to during mat leave? What are you most nervous about during mat leave? And describe how you are feeling about going on leave and write down what your fears and concerns are. And also think about how long you want to take off for parental leave. Um, this often changes, so don't think it's you know going to sense concrete. I've also heard of some people saying, "I want to achieve X while I'm at leave," but also at the same time, don't put too high expectations on yourself um, because really, you know, particularly as a first-time mum, there will be so many balls thrown up in the air you don't even know what's going on, uh, and you've got to just work through it. But really, don't put any expectations on yourself. So, as I said prepare for maternity leave as well not only physically but definitely that mental aspect um, and preparing yourself and 
even doing some mindfulness and visual tactics and things like that. There's a multitude of different things that you can do. Um, it may put some of your anxieties aside, uh, but also helping you prepare um, about what's coming. Number 11 would be about how you would like to be engaged and communicate with your organisation and team whilst you're on mat leave. Now, some organisations set up systems and have got parental programs or agree to send company information to your personal email and if and when you choose to do so. But what's really important is that you have the maternity leave and the engagement with your organisation that you want. It's what you decide. You don't have to get spoken to by work about what this is where it's going to be. It's entirely up to you. How much or how little communication engagement you have is really your decision. But what's also really important is that you clearly state this with your manager. And I would suggest documenting it like via an email or something like that if required, because then it's also something that you can come back on and say, no, I emailed you about this and it's all documented. You know, some people want to be regularly kept in contact and they also want to be checked their email. You know what? Others also want a break. Like myself, I legitimately just wanted a career break. I just wanted just some time out. And, um, you know, it's, it's what you want to do. I also then increased my contact as I was looking to come back. Uh, and look, everyone has a different experience and a different way of viewing it. So that's also, again, take a very individualistic view on the way that you want to structure and have your maternity leave and also your engagement with your employer. But as I said, it's about communicating this expectation with your manager, your team and your organisation. But a few questions that you can ask yourself are, how regularly do you want to be kept in touch with your employer, like weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly? Do you wish to be contacted during that leave? If so, what do you want the main communication points to be? Say phone, email, text, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, you name it. How much contact do you want to have with your employer whilst you're on leave? You like say none, regularly update, check emails regularly, log into work, you know, things like that. Now, last but not least, number, um, number 12 is about using the 10 keeping in touch days with your organisation. Now, keeping in touch days are legislated by the government as an initiative, as the name explains, to keep in touch with your employer whilst you're on mat leave. I know there are so many stories of people going on leave and there are major changes during the time that they're on leave that they were not even aware of and that they come back to almost what feels like a different organisation. The keeping in touch days are exactly aimed to overcome some of those issues. Now, this is from the Fair Work Act page. So under the Fair Work Act, an employee can choose if they so wish to do so to work up to 10 days during their unpaid parental leave. The aim of this is to help the employee keep in touch with you and what is happening in the workplace in order to facilitate a return to work at the end of their leave. So there's a few examples that I know people using this can be about, um, say, team building or team strategy days, conferences, team meetings. So there's a variety of different ways that you can keep in touch with your team and organisation so then the whole place doesn't seem so far and upon your return. Now, not everyone is aware of keeping in touch days. So certainly the more you know, and you can also then advocate about what you would like, again, as part of your communication with your manager about your leave, you can definitely use them. 
So just going back to it, the 10 tips that I've got um, to consider when planning parental leave are number one, know your parental leave policies. Number two, be aware of the government parental leave entitlements. Number three, consider your return before you go on leave. Number four, the financial and planning and the family budgeting. Number five, the handover document and handover with your stakeholders. Number six, submit all the different paperwork and leave applications and government that you need. Number seven, plan those farewell events or get someone to plan them for you. Number eight, have a positive and constructive feedback review. Number nine, the mental preparation. Number 10, the out of office message. Number 11, agree on communication with your organization during leave. And last but not least, number 12, discuss keeping in touch days. So there we have it, mamas. There's my 12 things for you to consider when planning for parental leave. If you are about to go on parental leave or maternity leave, I wish you all the best and good luck and uh, hope this has actually helped alleviate some stress um, and also giving you some ideas on what to plan for. So best of luck. I hope everyone um, has a happy, healthy baby birth as well through the process and uh, look forward to speaking with you soon on another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.